The House of Roll journeys far and wide to bring you exceptional quality kitchen and bath fixtures. In all of this, you'll see the details of your own story. The story of a life well-crafted. Welcome to the House of Roll. The promise of America is being squandered. How are we going to restore our nation back to a sensible, citizen-centric government? It's time for populism with a purpose. Welcome to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. Joyce is a businesswoman, not a politician. And she's here to offer pragmatic, possible, and post-partisan solutions for the 21st century. Now, your host for Reimagine America, Joyce Cordy. And welcome to the Reimagine America Radio Hour on a Goldilocks kind of spring Sunday morning. Not too hot, not too cold, just right for a spring Sunday. And I've come to bore you to tears. But it's kind of necessary. We're going to talk about health care. Because the mainstream media coverage of the current proposals to change the way in which health care is paid for, disseminated, and distributed are pretty large, and nobody's paying attention. It's boring. But let me promise you, it will not be boring if we let the progressives in Sacramento first and then in Washington, D.C., get their way with our health care. You will end up Madam, sir, listener, you and your children are going to end up on the short end of that stick with either or any of these proposals. What you will get is higher taxes, more health care expenses, and less freedom of choice. What you will get is more omnipotent and omnipresent, unaccountable, unelected, and anonymous bureaucracy telling you what you and your family are entitled to in their wisdom. So, I know it's a boring subject, but we got to talk about it because, as usual, I've not come to inflame your passions. I've come to inform you, to give you the information that will enable you to make an independent judgment on current events and to encourage you to act on that judgment. And action in this case, ladies and gentlemen, is necessary. As a businesswoman, I focus a lot on the numbers. The numbers tell me what's out of the norm. What needs attention? What needs immediate triage? And then how to prioritize the necessary changes. So, when I read about Assembly Bill 3087 and how close it may be to becoming law, I grew alarmed. Then I read the bill. Now I'm really worried. Let's talk about the numbers. The numbers are 11 appointed super bureaucrats who would control 100% of your access to health care in the state of California. 
That's right. Eleven individuals appointed by the governor, the Senate Committee on Rules, and the Assembly Speaker. In other words, there wouldn't be a moderate or a conservative within a hundred miles of this commission. There would be no one who would speak for the majority, the, the large majority of Californians. But they would, these 11 people, determine all the pricing and all the access to health care for anyone who lives in California who is not covered by Medicare, Medi-Cal, or other federal health care programs. So only Medicare recipients, the really poor, and folks who are on military TRICARE would be exempt from these programs. And that would be only for a period of time. The bill makes no pretense at bipartisanship, as I've said. It makes no pretense at equal representation from private insurers, private sector employers, or satisfied private sector insured patients. Unless, of course, you are the one and only permanent CalPERS, California uh, uh, Employee Retirement System uh, members, who would be represented by one of these 11 permanent paid bureaucrats. And oh, by the way, where would, how would they get paid? Out of the insurance fund. So out of the money that we get for the Obama exchanges. I'm Joyce Cordy, and you're listening to the Reimagine America Radio Hour. And we're going to talk today, oh, I'm so sorry, it is a beautiful day, about health care. But you have to know the facts and the numbers before before it's too late, before the progressives in Sacramento pass this legislation. So back to our 11-member bureaucracy. As I said, there will be a CalPERS representative. Now, if you think they're on your side, <clears throat> I have something else to, to explain to you. They would also rep be represented by the Secretary of California Health and Human Services, who is an appointee. One person who is a healthcare professional, but that cannot be somebody who is working as a healthcare professional. That's an, another part of the law that forbids that. And one person who comes from a long term care facility, but again, cannot be working actively in that segment of the healthcare industry. The work of the California Healthcare Cost, Quality, and Equity Commission would be secret, secret. I mean, you know, there are these HIPAA laws and there are these relationships with insurers and so on and so forth. So it would be done in secret, except for their one quarterly meeting with a volunteer advisory committee. <clears throat> so if we pass that legislation during this legislative session, which ends in June, this, this law would require that the commission be set up, create the information systems, hire the people, be able to communicate with all the state's doctors, dentists, healthcare providers, and hospitals electronically and make all the basic allowable cost decisions and set up an appeals process for organizations that object to the basic pricing decisions and do all of this by July 1, 2019. So in other words, in 12 months, they are going to go from zero to 100. 
not 65, 0 to 100. And all of your health care access and costs will be decided in that period of time between June 2018 and July 2019. And then after that, it's done and this commission rules everything. Now, if you think that's possible, I'm going to remind you that I was young and foolish when the state controller's office first asked me about a silly thing like, do you think we could uh, use SAP to create a new payroll system? And I said, wait, rethink that, um, take a different approach. And And 20 years later, we still do not have a functioning new payroll system. So if you think they can get all your health care done in a year, um, I have the proof in the form of that payroll system that that's not possible. And we'll be back in just a minute after the commercial message to talk a little bit about how the costing of your health care would be done. For more information on today's topic, visit reimagineamerica.org, reimagineamerica.org. Now, back to Reimagine America on 860 AM, The Answer. So, how in heaven's name, in 12 months, does Ash Cholera propose that we be able to, that a commission of 11 people, nobody even knows what the application process will be, because it's not specified in the law, um, how those 11 people are going to figure out how much your health care should cost and what access you should have in a matter of 12 months. Well, they're going to put a law in place that says the ceiling, the ceiling on all pricing for care at private hospitals and private in, uh, providers, et cetera, will be 100% of Medicare reimbursement for that service. Now, listen to that language very, very carefully. It says, 100% of the Medicare reimbursement will be the ceiling, not the floor. It's the maximum the state would allow. Okay. If you go and look at the Medicare actuarial tables, what they actually say is that the Medicare share, the Medicare cost is 77% of the total cost of the service. So the beneficiary pays the other 20%. Medicare pays 77%, you pay the balance. So that means uh, if you're a Medicare beneficiary. So that means there's a 3% built-in gap. So if you're a hospital or you're a doctor under this law, the maximum reimbursement you are going to get for services performed leaves you with a negative 3% of your actual costs for every single patient you see. Now, how long do you think doctors and hospitals can stay in business if they lose 3% every time they see a patient? And by the way, Medicare really is a cost-plus system. In other words, they do determine the actual cost of the service, they make adjustments for the region, and then they add a small um, profit margin to that, and they that establishes the Medicare cost base. Now, there are frequent questions about whether those bases are accurate. 
but uh, there are also other provisions in Medicare that deal with some of that stuff. But they're going to say 77% of the total cost paid by whomever. This law does not specify who's going to pay. They don't specify that it's going to be some single-payer system. No, they're, they're going to try to – that would have to come – how it would be administered by private insurers has to be negotiated and other law passed under the insurance department. It, this is, would be a separate law. So can you begin to see what could go wrong? Just about anything. So the commission is free to set reimbursements below the Medicare level, not above. Now, remember, we have 12 months to put this whole thing into place. And you know what Medicare doesn't cover, okay? Medicare does not cover things like obstetrics or gynecology or fertility treatment or uh, pediatric care. Um, etc. So how are you going to establish if Medicare is going to be the basis of your pricing system, how in heaven's name are you going to develop the prices for those things? Are you going to use Medicaid, where we know every single hospital in the state loses money? Or are you going to use some other formula, you know, in in New York City, which were the best numbers I could find? um, The cost of a pregnancy is between $30,000 and $60,000. So which is the right number? And how in 12 months, from the moment the law is passed till its effective date, how would all of this be determined in a way which is equitable and doesn't drive most obstetricians who have incredibly high um, medical malpractice liability uh, premiums? Um, how are those people going, not, which is something Medicare doctors, by the way, do not have to consider, um, how in heaven's name is all of this going to be done in a way which is equitable and does not drive up all of the obstetricians into Nevada? I, I want you to stop and think about that for a minute. There is no basis for this. And I'm Joyce Cordy, and you're listening to the Reimagine America Radio Hour. And the 26 pages do not mention setting up private insurance rates or risk pools anything that would assume that would be covered by the cost of insurance. It just makes an assumption that the state general fund would benefit from this program in the sense that state employee insurance premiums would fall. But by how much and, and as a result of what is not addressed in this law. I've never seen anything written quite this way. And I've read a whole lot of them. And I'm Joyce Cordy, and you're listening to the Reimagine America Radio Hour. And I'm here to warn you that Assembly Bill 3087 is not just real and could really become law, but it's dangerous. And you know what what this law does? It specifies the dollars that are saved from the general fund Uh, doesn't really explain how the general fund is going to save these dollars, but it does say there, it makes this assumption, and it says it's going to use that money to redistribute um, and and reappropriate those dollars to improve access in underserved communities. Now, we all want to serve underserved 
communities. But this is not the way to do it. We know that Medi-Cal does not work in the state because the reimbursement rates are too low. So if you take Medi-Cal as it is and then you add Medicare on top of it, you will destroy the private sector health care system in this state. And I don't think it would take very long. So just in summary, Ash Cholera's approach to fixing the health care dilemma that we face and that we talked about with Robert Pearl um, and that needs some more discussion, um, he takes a sledgehammer to a health care delivery system that needs a deft hand to reform, not wreck it. It's already stressed enough. Capping reimbursements to healthcare providers without remodeling the underlying supply chain, well, it just won't work. The whole thing will collapse. You know, it's like it's like the crest of a wave. What you see in your insurance premiums is the crest of a wave of a supply chain of training and pharmaceuticals and supplies and and. Uh, professional and non-professional personnel that all comes up in one foamy mass at, at, at the top, like a wave. And if Ash Calra's Assembly Bill 3078 passes, that wave is going to crash on top of you like you're a surfer in trouble. The proposal contains nothing more than an assumption about the relationship between insurance premiums and reimbursements and your costs. And we all know about assumptions in life, don't we? Without me quoting that expression that contains words I cannot use on the radio. So just before we go to commercial, let me give you another number. $400 billion. That's $400 billion with a B dollars. And if you want to know why that number should scare you so much, we'll be back right after the commercial announcements. For more information on today's topic, visit reimagineamerica.org. Reimagineamerica.org. Now, back to Reimagine America on 860 AM, The Answer. And before we went to commercial break, um, I left you with a number, $400 billion. Billion with a B. Big number. Almost, well, let's say 40% of a trillion dollars. Okay. Because that's the other attempt at waving fairy dust. That was what it would cost the other attempt in the state legislature, uh, the other idea that would wave fairy dust over the number one issue, the cost of health care in the 2018 midterm elections. And in case you wonder that I drew that out of, the, out of a hat, a recent Kaiser Health tracking poll found that 59% of respondents actually would support a national health plan, which is up from 33% a year ago. And that what we are seeing here is the result of seeing disabled people 
who are on Medi-Cal lying in the halls of Congress. That does kind of tear at the heartstrings of all Americans who believe those people need to be cared for. Um, and it's uh, and and the uh, the other reason it's up so much is that the Republicans did such a ham-handed, horrible job of trying to make some improvements in um, what we call Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act, and they did it in such an incredibly ham-handed way that they set this television moment up for their Democratic opposition. So here's the problem. Now, you, you, all these people are going, yes, yes, we need to have, you know, some public help for these terribly disabled people and know those, you know, we cannot take money away from Medi-Cal and so forth, or Medicare, and so forth. But then when you, and so they say, yes, we need to have some kind of national health plan, okay? But then when you tell them that that single-payer system would take away their private insurance, the numbers start to change Dramatically, okay, 47%, which when you look at the statistical plus or minus percent is really more than half in all likelihood, believe that they could have a single-payer system and still retain their own private insurance. And you know what? I think that is possible, and I've written about it, and you will find it at um, Reimagine America if you want to look at what I would propose doing. Um, and what it is is really a bridge between Medicaid and private insurance or Medicare, um, and and it would be a public-private partnership. And you'll find it on Reimagine America if you go do a search on health insurance or health care. So I won't bore you with it here because it's more important. It's more important to talk about that four hundred billion dollars because that's what it would cost to create a single-payer, government-run California insurance plan. And there is a bill in the state assembly to do just that, and it's strongly backed by the California Nurses Association. But it's bottled up, thank God, in the state assembly. The nurses love it because they do love to spend other people's money on their compensation benefits, and lavish retirement benefits. Just go compare what a nurse in California makes and what their retirement looks like to what a nurse in Florida or New York or Illinois or Texas makes. And you'll see why the California Nurses Association just loves the idea of spending other people's money. And it does contribute to why healthcare costs 30% more in the Bay Area than anywhere else in the United States. Because to the Nurses Association, direct access to the ability to tax you for their own personal ends is their idea of nirvana. And you know who stands between you and me and that kind of legislation, the only conservative left in Sacramento, Jerry Brown. Because Jerry Brown understands that $400 billion as a cost for a single year of this single-payer health care, all health care paid for by the state, would cost $400 billion, which is would literally overnight double 
It's a 100% increase over California's planned 2018-2019 budget. So where is that money going to come from? And as long as Jerry Brown is in the State House in Sacramento, we are probably safe from this bill becoming law. But that's only a few months because Gavin Newsom, the likely Democratic nominee for the governor uh, this fall, will is in fact an advocate of this sing- Nurses Association-backed um, single-payer system. Now, I can see if anybody has a brain in their head, the opportunity to run television commercials against Newsom saying $400 billion. You just have to flash that on the screen in additional taxes and fees in one year. That's more than a trillion dollars in three years. So in the four years of a Newsom governorship, that would be a trillion and a half dollar additional tax cost to the taxpayers of the state of California. So when you're looking at your deductible, um, for, when you're looking at your health care premiums on your paycheck, uh, think about what if that became an increase in taxes where you had less freedom and more cost. Because trust me, those taxes are going up more. Even and, and that $400 billion includes a very constitutionally questionable assumption. It assumes that people who are on Medicare, because Medicaid federal dollars flow to the state and the state distributes them, but Medicare dollars flow to the individual recipients and their providers. This bill proposes that that go away and that all the Medicare dollars that would be spent in California would become part of this $400 billion and would be redistributed across the population. That would leave California seniors at the mercy of a state bureaucracy with less access, less care, and a right that they've earned in a lifetime of work stripped from them and distributed to someone else. That I question whether or not the could be done under the United States Constitution, but we'd be in a world of hurt before we got there. That that is to the Supreme Court. So I'm gonna summarize all this in a really quick piece here. If you want to keep any semblance of available state of the art quality health care in California then you better be on the phone on Monday morning or you better be on email and Twitter today telling your legislator that a no vote on either Ash Cholera's AB3087 or the Assembly Speaker's plan for a single-payer system, that any legislature who does not vote no on both of those completely unrealistic fairy dust bills Well, not voting no will result in you voting them out. In other words, you got to vote no if you want you and I to vote for you in November. Regardless, I don't care if that legislator is a Republican or a Democrat. If they truly represent you and not the small interests of public sector unions and and nurses unions who contribute royally to their campaign coffers, 
If you want people who represent you and your best interests and really want to solve the problem of health care costs in California in a way that is truly progressive, in other words, gives you more freedom, better pricing, more options, a highly competitive marketplace, which is what makes the American system work, whether it's Amazon versus Macy's or Tesla versus GM or healthcare. If you want what we enjoy today, at least the standard of healthcare we enjoy today, which should be better, okay, then you need to oppose these two pieces of legislation and you need to do it vituperously and you need to do it often and you need to be really loud or this will happen to us and it will be a sad experiment. And there's another number that we should be concerned about when it comes to health care. The Democrats, they see something like gold in Demdar Hills when they talk about Medicare for all. And we'll be back in just a moment to explain why sometimes what you hear isn't what's really happening. For more information on today's topic, visit reimagineamerica.org. Reimagineamerica.org. Now, back to Reimagine America on 860 AM, The Answer. And it's not enough. It's just not enough that California is going crazy in this single-payer thing. There are now four separate bills in the House of Representatives, well, three in the House of Representatives and one in the Senate. Bernie Sanders' bill is in the Senate um, that are called Medicare for All, Medicare Extension, Medicare. You know, they're all in love with Medicare. And I want you to keep that thought for just a moment because Medicare is not a panacea. Okay. Medicare is, in fact, an insurance program. But I want you to hold that thought for just a moment. Because this fascination that we are having, that the Democrats in Congress are having and the Democrats in Sacramento are having with single payer, it comes exactly at the moment that three out of four Canadians who have single payer want out of single payer and want to be allowed greater choice and competition and have voluntary private health care options. And we should take Canada's population's change of heart as a warning. Because the problem is, as it is in Canada, where you have to wait 21 weeks from, to get a re- from the time you get a referral to the time you actually get seen by a specialist in, on average, sounds like the VA, doesn't it? And we say at the VA, that's unacceptable. So when you think about single payer, think about the VA. That's probably a really good example of what would happen, except it's the good side of what would happen. And so here, the issue is that single payer is translating in the American political marketplace to say free. When, when you hear single payer, do you automatically think, oh, somebody else is going to pay for my health care, but I'm still going to get great health care? Because if that's what you think, you're wrong. We're already $21 trillion in debt. This year, the United States federal government will spend more than $1 trillion, a third of the federal budget, on health care, health care services for Medicare, Medicaid, Obamacare, VA, um, uh, TRICARE, 
federal employee retire, uh, health care and retirement health care, uh, and that does not include the VA. So single payer doesn't mean free. It just means you're going to pay a different way and you're going to have less choice. And only Bernie Sanders, good old Bernie, um, I guess age gives you freedom to tell the truth. Sometimes he doesn't always tell the truth. You know, this poor socialist who owns four houses. In Bernie Sanders' proposal, you find a funding mechanism. And wait, what is that funding mechanism? Well, it doubles, you know, you pay a so, right now a payroll tax for Social Security and Medicare of about, oh, 8% roughly of your gross pay. This would take it to roughly 16% of your gross pay. And if you're enjoying that uh, Trump tax cut, uh, 4% um, would be tacked on to your current rate. So if you were paying 24%, um, you would pay 28% on your less deductible, um, on your fewer deductions on your 2019 taxes. And that that's just the floor. That's just what happens in the first year. And then they find out how much more money they need, and those costs continue to escalate. And you have no choice. But you also have no choice in how you get your health care under that system. And so let me, let me just be the one to tell you the truth. Medicare is not free. You pay for it in every single paycheck. From the first paycheck of your teenage years to the last paycheck if you're the CEO of a Fortune 100 company. Think of it as a health savings account. That's the way it was established, was that you would prepay. Some of the money, of course, would go to paying the earliest of recipients, but most of this money was intended to prepay your health insurance for your older years. And I'm Joyce Cordy, and you're listening to the Reimagine America Radio Hour, and we're talking, or I'm warning you, that Medicare is not free. Medicare is an insurance program. So let's force politicians to stop using the words Medicare, single-payer, and free as synonyms, because they're not. So if we really believed that there was a Medicare locks, trust fund lockbox like there is supposed to be under the Reagan-era legislation that last reformed it, you have to think about Medicare as a health savings account. Number one, that's the first fact, okay, that you've paid for this all of your life. This is not going to be an immediate capture of new tax dollars. This is something you have paid into all of your working life. And so you are now receiving a benefit that you prepaid, in theory at least. Now, basic Medicare originally only covered hospital care. So when you start looking at getting outpatient care or prescriptions or any of that, there are mandatory additional insurance premiums that are deducted from your Social Security payments for your outpatient care and your prescriptions, and if you elect it for uh, health maintenance or accountable, health accountable organizations like um, that are called Medicare Advantage, okay? So outpatient care 
mandatory Medicare premiums are based on income. They start at about 100 bucks a month if you get the minimum Social Security. As you have um, higher outside income, uh, your premium for the exactly the same coverage goes up. Age also causes your premium to increase, but your health conditions do not. That's one good thing. So Medicare also has pre-existing condition clauses. It's one of the major reasons that people have to go through an appeals process to be determined eligible for Medicare. Because if you have more than a 30-day gap in coverage between your last private insurance and your beginning of Medicare eligibility, you will serve a one-year pre-existing condition clause on anything that's wrong. So if you have type 2 diabetes and you go 45, 40 days without insurance for the first year of your Medicaid cover, Medicare coverage, you will not be covered for that type, type 2 diabetes treatment. And while the Bush-era drug coverage that was added to Medicare is voluntary, you don't have to take it, if you don't enroll in the first year you're in Medicare, then when you do enroll, you will pay a penalty for each year you were not part of that system. And that penalty is not a one-year penalty. It's the rest of your life penalty. And then on top of that, to pay, to ensure you will not be paying 20% of a friend who broke a leg and ended up with a $28,000 bill uh, from Kaiser after they applied Medicare Parts A and B. So if you want to avoid that, you have to have a supplement, uh, an insurance supplement, and that's going to cost you. So if you add it all up, and I did a little off the back of the, literally on the back of the envelope. If you calculate what your maximum Social Security payout for a person is, and then you take the minimum premiums for Medicare for all these bits and parts, and you add in the $5,000 annual deductible, Medicare costs you about 25% of your total if you are at the top of, Med- of Social Security, because I didn't go look in the basic. So it would be like 50% if you're at the midpoint of Social Security, 25% if you are at the top of, of Social Security. So it is not free. It costs more than standard employer-based coverage based as a percentage of income. And it, it does not cover, it doesn't cover things like dental care. There's no zero coverage for dentistry. And there's almost nothing for prescription glasses or for hearing aids, but commonly needed extras for seniors. So while I sympathize with easy fixes, Medicare for all is not an easy fix for America's health care cost dilemma. We got to find a more creative and modern 21st century technology, and uh, innovation-based solution to the problem. And we'll be back in just a minute with some closing thoughts. For more information on today's topic, visit reimagineamerica.org. Reimagineamerica.org. Now, back to Reimagine America on 860 AM, The Answer. And we're back with just a few closing thoughts. We should turn to politics for just a moment of levity, shouldn't we? 
you know, even that's become boring to the nth degree. I, I must say, I found myself going through Facebook the other night while listening to a commentator. Got to be that boring. But anyway, um, we seem to have a dilemma at the VA. We've had a nominee withdraw. I mean, the whole thing is kind of crazy. Here is this flagship officer who's been in the White House since 2006, and everybody just loves him. Barack Obama thought he should be promoted ahead of his class, uh, and now people are calling him drunk, vindictive, and candy man. And, you know, um, I have real questions, not just about the doctor, but about how to, if any of this is true, how did it get missed in four background checks during the Bush, Obama, and Trump administrations? And if you wreck a car, why is there no record of that in the White House anywhere? And shouldn't the Secret Service have reported the doctor if he was drunk on duty? Didn't that drunkenness put the president at risk? So here's what I think ha- needs to happen. We need a very quick inspector general investigation of Dr. Jackson and his office and the Secret Service involvement in this and the FBI background check in this situation. And if, inter- and, and if as he claims, Dr. Jackson is innocent of these charges, well, then um, I think we can chalk up one more Republican senator in the Senate next year because John Tester was way out over his skis. And I don't think the folks in Montana will take kindly to that. So there is need for an investigation, but it needs to be really done quickly. And next, while just when I thought the week was going to be completely boring, Bill Cosby was found guilty of three counts of sexual battery this week. And, you know, that makes me sad because I remember watching Dr. Huckabee, um, how different the person than the persona. And it makes me look forward to Harvey Weinstein's day in court, except for the one fact that Gloria Allred is is all mixed up in all of that. (sighs) But it's really, you know, I mean, that, that not to be bored has to be tawdry is truly sad, a sad statement on our politics. But I have some good news. I'm halfway through James Comey's bestseller, I'm not going to talk to you about it here, except to say that my impression is that John Grisham needs to look out because Comey has a style. He writes extremely well. His prose is engaging, and the narrative is compelling, and he draws out real characters. So um, it's a lot like reading a novel. Next week, barring another week of outrageous campaign lies in the form of legislative proposals and over-commitment promises. Let's talk about the probable November ballot proposition to divide California into three states. Is it Solomon-esque, as in King Solomon, or is it just another sledgehammer trying to solve a problem that needs a needle. And in the meantime, if you want to learn more about some of the topics we've discussed today 
or listen to a podcast of this program, go to reimagineamerica.org. I do try to respond to as many listener comments as possible. If you've got ideas for people you'd like me to interview or questions you want answered on the air, Joyce at reimagineamerica.org. And in the meantime, remember that Reimagine is independent and nonprofit. And if you appreciate our independent, results-oriented, post-political voice, please consider making a small donation at reimagineamerica.org. And until next Sunday, thank you for your time and your interest. This has been Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. Go to reimagineamerica.org. Join the forum, donate, tell others, and sign up to receive future podcasts. That's reimagineamerica.org. Together, we can reimagine America. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.